0: film fans here we are at the midsummer classic carl and we have some exciting news to announce we are changing the name of real times trio coming up next we'll talk about
1: our name change and we'll talk to our special guest joe hanrahan about his new play now playing third base for the cardinals bond james bond around minute 27 we'll talk about the escape from new york anniversary around minute 33 black widow around minute 50 other movies we didn't see around minute 53 Schmigadoon around minute 57 inside with bo burnham and the emmys around minute 59 local theater and local film events and the hallmark ornaments are out around one hour and five minutes the preview of next week's show we are changing
0: the name of real times trio
1: why? I'm but, acting like we didn't talk about this beforehand and <laughs> and no one knows what we're talking about, but I, I already know the
0: answer. I'm just acting like I don't. Go ahead, Lynn. Sure. Um, that's Carl Middleman, my co-host on this. We decided that it would be better to brand the podcast with my website poplifestl.com stl.com because we are more than movies we talk about theater we talk about events in st louis and we are a st louis podcast so it's going to be called pop life stl presents and that way that reflects what we're all about and today Everything. we have a and then carl even helped with we got a brand new spiffy logo so we're going to be now, rolling this. now off. hold
1: on you're you're making my contributions seem more than they are. You gave me a choice of four. You said, my son and I like number one. What do you think? And of course I said, well, I like number one as well. So, <laughs> Yeah, but
0: we want to take it into consideration what you like. No, I, number one is the best one. It is. So to reflect that, our guest today is one of the theater mainstay stalwarts, longtime veteran joe hanrahan
2: good morning joe hi joe good morning uh, to the both of you
0: you should have one you know morning joe's been taken but you could have mid-afternoon joe or (laughs) you know for if you ever did this but joe has a new one-man show and it is called well actually it's not new but we're going to talk about that it's a one-man show that is now available for you to purchase a ticket and i recommend that you do that because this is talk about a summer classic it is really really a fun show it is called now playing third base for the cardinals bond james bond so joe tell us what this play is about which you wrote and it's history tell us about all that
2: um, well the uh, the core uh, story of the uh, of the play is about uh, a bunch of uh, young teenage boys who get together on a dusty baseball field to play a pickup game in in 1964. And one of their their group uh, runs up to him all excited because the night before he saw the movie From Russia With Love and he was totally knocked out by it. And so he proceeded to uh, do a one man 30 minute presentation live play about From Russia with Love. And the boys on the field were just dumbfounded. But um, it it happened in 1964 and there was a lot happening, a lot impacting teenage boys life. It had just been half a year since John F. Kennedy had been assassinated. And uh, everybody was still in kind of a a, a deep depression. Uh, But just a couple months prior to that, the Beatles had come out and uh, started to bring some new light into kids' lives. And that summer, um, the Cardinals um, started moving towards their first pennant in 18 years before any of these kids were born. So there was a whole lot happening uh, that summer. And uh, so that was, that's kind of live what's going on. And then on reflection, um, you know, as, as a playwright, uh, the Beatles were changing the face of music. Um, uh, James Bond and the ilk was changing the face of, uh, of movies. And, and the racial issues in baseball as integration was just starting to take hold and the Cardinals had some really good black players and faced the almost all white Yankees in the world series. Um, it became uh, something that started changing the face of baseball and society. So there was a, a lot going on and, uh, and, you know, a teenage boy's head was kind of swirling as all of this was revolving around him.
0: Well, Joe premiered this at the St. Louis fringe festival back in, was it 18, 2018. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it was only an hour because that's the limit at fringe, but he expanded it and is now the one man show that's at the chapel, which is near WashU. It's yeah. off a of skinker. It's next to the church, which is, is it a Presbyterian church or is it Lutheran? Emmanuel it's Lutheran? Presbyterian.
2: Yeah. Okay. So on so, Alexander drive just South of Wydown. Yeah.
0: So it's right there. And they have this performance space that that uh, several groups use and it's perfect. So it's very intimate. You go in and then you are spellbound by Joe's walk down memory lane, because even though you might have lived at that time. But then my son and my nephew and another friend, they hadn't lived it and they were fascinated by the story about the Cardinals because there's stuff that I didn't know as a Cardinals fan. And then Joe does uh, Sean, he reads lines from James Bond, like Sean Connery. And he also has theater in it. He weaves in theater tales because it is a theater production. And, and then, but the whole integration about St. Louis and the white flight, because you were living with your family in Soulard and then you moved to southwest St. Louis,
2: yes, uh-huh. near Ted Drew's
1: <laughs> St. Louis Hills,
0: and so uh, all that figures in, but also he worked at the old Bush State, the ballpark, the Sportsman's Grand Mendoly. Park.
2: yeah. So, yeah, was that must ba- have played baseball during the day, and then at night, uh, I went to Sportsman's Park and uh, worked a uh, soul showed in popcorn
1: <laughs> now. Joe, I don't know if you know this, but my grandfather was the doctor for the St. Louis Cardinals in the 50s and 60s. Now, what so was his name? Isidore Carl Middleman. Okay, first, yeah. He, he was Dr. Icky. He was uh-huh. the one that saved Bob Gibson's arm when he threw it out. All and right. That's mentioned in the book October 1964. Uh-huh. And my grandfather, who I am named after, I don't go by Icky. I go by his middle name, Carl. Uh, so I have a very much tie to your story that you're telling through your eyes, but I have a very tangential (laughs) association through it, but I I have always loved the story of the 1964 Cardinals.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, and we, we go into the, uh, you know, which is fascinating, which, you know, things I didn't know at the time and few people did the behind the scenes power struggle with, uh, um, with, with the, People in the organization who were. Branch Rickey. Branch Rickey, who had just come into the organization and who wanted to clean house and fire everybody. And he got some of that done firing Bing Devine a month after he traded for Lou Brock. Mm -hmm. And and then, you know, the turmoil after the series, uh, he was trying to fire Johnny Keene all summer, the manager. And Keene knew about that. So after the series, even though the Cardinals beat the Yankees, Keene quit and went and joined the Yankees Mm -hmm. as their new manager. And, and then then taking the Jennifer place of Yogi Berra, you
0: know, which is fascinating. Yeah. And then Joe just has all this color in it because his sister got the album meet the Beatles for her uh-huh. birthday. And he went and just hijacked it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is like kids did back then, you know, yeah. wore yeah. out the yeah. grooves.
2: Yeah. I remember, I, I saw the Beatles live here at, uh, Bush, Bush. stadium, their one appearance. And I remember, uh, it was raining and, they, you know, as after the concert, we're standing, waiting for a bus to go home, looking at a Woolworth's window and the Revolver album was in the window. And I think it cost four bucks. And I was like, oh, I wish I had the money to buy that. I just <laughs> it was so expensive.
0: <laughs> was that the. um Oh, what was Was that the Corvettes or the record store downtown that? Oh, no, it, it was actually you in know, the. Woolworth's. Oh, Woolworth's. That's right. The
1: Woolworth's of course, kind it, of thing. Yeah they changed the window display because, you know, the Beatles were right down the street. So yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. And then, um, it was raining. They only played for like 35 minutes. They, yes. and they weren't even the last act. No, day. no.
2: They shoved them on early to get out of the rain. There was about four or five other groups with them.
1: And Paul McCartney oh, yeah, said he was afraid to touch the microphone with his mouth because he was afraid he was going to get electrocuted.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> ah, well, uh, red rubber ball, the, the guys that did that the circle. The circle? they were on the thing. I knew some East side guys that were in it. They were in a band and I forget the name of the band, but when they found out they were uh, playing at the Collinsville bath and tennis club and they had, as people did back in the day, those matching suits Mm -hmm. and they all jumped in the pool when they found out that they were going to be part of the bands before the Beatles. And, Bobby uh, Hebb
2: was one of the people that came on. He had the one hit, Sonny, which yes. just kind of links to the play, too. Uh, Bobby Hebb wrote that song in the weekend after JFK was assassinated. He wrote it for him.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. And you being a grown-up, a Catholic boy, I identified with everything you said. Mm-hmm. And then we used to have a picture in the classroom. We had a picture of the Pope, and we had a picture of JFK. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: Every classroom. That was 1964. Yeah. So all that was, it's just, it's just such a nice walk down memory. But it's also illuminating what you say about theater. And then for anybody that wasn't around then, uh, the the boys were fascinated by the stories that you weave and you have a great gift as a storyteller. Yeah. That's one of your talents. And when you do a one man show, you always present these very interesting and sometimes quirky, but this is really from the heart. So
2: when did you get the idea to write this? Um, I, I think it was uh, a, a little, it was about a, a little before the fringe. I, I was working on it separately and I had kind of a rough script that I was starting. And uh, and when I talked to the fringe people, they wanted me to be in it, but I, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I, and I was stuck with Matthew Kearns, who this, it was his first year as honcho of the fringe, I think. And I, um, I just mentioned the title to him you know, and he said you're in I like it let's go so so then I uh, I, was, I was fortunate because then I had a deadline and I had a title and I knew what I had to write but yeah I, I did do you know I, I, I do talk about theater in the play and uh, and stories I mean and that's what I love about theater or movies or anything is stories I mean I, I, you know as you know I did the only one-man show during the, the only show during the pandemic last year sex drugs rock and roll and it was a one-man show because that was the only safe show you could do right one person show but uh, uh, i was i was talking to someone at that time on a radio interview and they said oh do you really miss performing and i said eh, not really but i miss telling stories Aww. and and what do we you know i get into in this show is not just theater but one person theater which this was and i tried to like go through and give the history of it justify it a little bit and position it. Because as you know, I've done far too many one person shows. And <laughs> and as you probably know, the theater community does not like one person shows, you know, unless you're the one, one doing it. But other than that, right. most of them go, ah, you know, because there's no, nothing for them to do in it. No parts. <laughs> Yeah, well, this
0: is directed by Shane Signorino, Uh who is a very talented person. And Carl, you and Joe and Shane were in our short film, Dad Eat Dog. So yes, yes, we were connection. Yeah. And so Shane teaches at SIUE Theater, and he's been Theater Circle nominated as Joe has. And he directed Joe in this. They both were together in a play called Popcorn's Falls, in which you played many and he played many characters. You both played uh, a, a variety of people.
2: Yeah, I played about six. He played about 12. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, Joe, how long do you think you want this show to run?
2: Well, it's, it's uh, scheduled to run three weeks at the chapel. So two weekends after today, if uh, if we're looking at today is uh, J- uh, July the 10th. Uh, you know, and it's the kind of show that I would I would love to do elsewhere. I don't know if it has, um, you know, just St. Louis endemic, you know, uh, appeal that would, it would only really hit someone here. But I, I, I would think anyone interested in the broader topics of baseball and movies, and history a little bit would do it. So I, I would be looking maybe to do it again sometime somewhere, but uh, only two more weeks for this run.
1: But you're not you're not uh, opposed to doing it longer if
2: they asked you. Uh, No, no, if if the opportunity would be there, but uh, generally, you know, most plays in St. Louis, they they don't, very rare when you see an extension of a play here. You know, um, I I don't know if it's uh, just the the theaters themselves or just our habits here, but uh, you just don't see something like that too often.
0: Well, I think this is a good uh, play to get back into the swing of things because it's just, it's a wonderful experience on a summer night it uh, will it, it just has so many things in it that you take these nuggets in fact I looked up because you mentioned the movie Robin and Marion mm-hmm. and I haven't seen that since the late 70s
2: and I thought I need to watch that again so I looked up where it's available yeah yeah that's and so, uh, that's a wonderful movie I talk about that because there's the great Sean Connery uh Robert Shaw fight scene in from Russia with love and there was a rematch and Ryan and Robin and Marion where Robin comes back and there's the Sheriff of Nottingham played by Shaw and they have big broadsword fight at the end.
0: Yeah, and so you really do feel his his whole experience and and also just because my brothers played sandlot ball morning, noon, and night, yeah when they were kids. And so he talks about that. weren't you in like three or four baseball leagues?
2: Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of summers where I was literally on four teams. I mean, organized teams in leagues, one baseball, two softball. And uh, my my school had a wiffle ball league organized with games every morning. I mean, I played Cub Scout softball, uh, which was great for your Cub. But then also uh, public playgrounds had their own teams and you played other public playgrounds. And so, but there was really nothing else to do in those days. I mean, we didn't have any video games. There was only three TV channels. I mean, uh, you, you could read, uh, and that was about it. You know. And so we 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 loved uh, we loved ball, and we uh, our whole lives uh, surrounded that, and that's all we did. And also, it was hot. So. <laughs> That didn't matter, you know. It didn't matter if it's hot. No. We always talked about that. You know, if you got hurt playing ball, it's like, oh, rub some dirt on it, or you know, right. go go get a drink of water, you'll be fine. <laughs>
0: like, yeah, well, and, because the inside of the house was also because you know, no air yeah. conditioning, so
2: you'd better be no, outside. One
1: room, one room was air conditioned, and that's where the parents <laughs> stayed.
2: And I, I, I faithfully <laughs> wore jeans for the show because nobody wore shorts in that day. I mean, they were no, they didn't because you in, had to slide. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just not not uh, not manly, I guess, to wear shards in those days.
0: Well, <laughs> uh, one of the cool things about the location of his play, the chapel, is they've taken this room and they have put all these Sports Illustrated and sports magazine covers of the Cardinals back in 64. And so it's a real nice exhibit to see some added history.
2: That was put together by a friend of mine, George uh, Venagoni, uh, a farmer saint louis cop who i ha- happened to go to high school with uh, a resident of uh, uh, you know f- of the hill and uh, a farmer resident of the hill that's where we got to know each other and we did a lot of uh, played a lot of ball together and uh and i think he i, I think that's a guy that's got to be somewhat credited with also back in the day with one of the inventors of fantasy baseball because we were playing it back then you know <laughs> before there was You just didn't any- know what it was then yeah we didn't call it that we called so, it newspaper baseball because there were no computers ah. you, had to, you had to check stats in the newspaper
0: my my younger brother and i we would uh trade baseball cards we would yeah. sit there and we would pl- pick our players to be the uh the all, like the all stars yeah. you know it was like our cards were our uh, we would put like you know, I got Willie Mays in the outfield and he would have, you know, Kirk flood and, and, and somebody would have Mickey Mantle. And so we would put our cards and we would play a primitive board game of baseball when we had to be inside. So that was, that was really fun, but that was back in the day. That's what you did. You bought trading cards and you did look up in the newspaper. What was, going on in terms of the Cardinals and then of course we had Harry Carey and Jack Buck which you talk about listening to them yeah there was
2: there were very little uh, very little television of baseball in those days you never saw a home game televised except Stan Musial's last game they Mm -hmm. did televise that but then the World Series I got to work the World Series that year because I worked at the park but I I really just wanted to get a close-up look at New York Yankees American League players like those are like creatures from another planet and you just <laughs> never saw those people on tv or you know any, anywhere anywhere so it was really uh, really something
0: he talks about uh, that the world series games were during the day uh-huh. but he yeah. talks about bush stadium being full of guys in white shirts and ties
2: the whole, yeah, the whole skipping part, work 30,000 yeah. of them yeah
1: and which people is, had kids had to sneak in transistor radios to listen to the games at school
2: yeah That's right. You didn't see a whole lot of women at any game ever, ever.
0: No. When Stan Musial retired, my uncle and my grandfather took my brothers.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) You didn't get to go.
0: No, we had to stay home. So I think we did watch it on TV, but uh, Joe's company is called the midnight company. So if you want to find out more about his history and the plays he has done, and then you, I think you have a really good season coming up and you do have uh, shows with multiple people, but Carl, (laughs) I think you would like this show called Tinsel town and it's going to be in December and it's going to be three short plays that take place in 24 hours in LA.
1: Ooh, so, Joe, is, is that what you're working on next?
2: Uh, no, actually, I've got two shows before then. I'm going to have a show in the Fringe called uh, My Violin, My Voice. Uh, I did create that one along with a violinist named Amy Greenhall. And it's going to be uh, a story. Well, I, I will talk. I will uh, talk about the history. <laughs> it's and not the, just
1: an instrumental.
2: Exactly. I will talk about the history and the magic uh, and the fascination of the violin, uh, you know, it's, it's an instrument that goes back 500 years and it's got tremendous, tremendous cachet to it. And, uh, and, and she, uh, Amy will play excerpts of uh, different things I'm talking about, everything from classic pieces in the development of the violin to, to pieces in movies where the violin was, was featured was featured, was featured where played the violin during the course of a movie. So that's going to be at the Fringe in August. Uh, and then late October, uh, we're doing a show called It Is Magic, about the, uh, the magic of theater. It's a show that happens uh, in the basement of a uh, community theater where a couple of sisters who've been ignored by their community theater, who they've slaved for for 20 years, finally get to produce their own play. One of them's going to write it, one's starring in it. It's an adult version of The Three Little Pigs. Um, oh. And the sister wants to play hey. the, uh, the lead role of the Big Bad Wolf, this a guy auditioning. And uh, and then I, I, I'll be in it. I'll, I'm playing the arrogant artistic director who then scuttles all their plans. But then they, uh, I'm busy during their auditions because the uh, the uh, premiere of the Scottish play is happening upstairs. But then the oh. Scottish play lends some magic to the whole thing. A third sister, unexpected, shows up and uh, things go kind of crazy. It's a great play by Michael Maher. We've done a couple of his plays before as Chicago playwright. And then in December, it is uh, Tinseltown. I've, I've done two plays with uh, uh, Ellie Schwetty and Rachel tibbets of Sate, where in in mm-hmm. I directed those two in a play. One of them directed two of, them, two of us in a play. And then, so I said, I got to do one with Ellie. So during the pandemic, I had no excuse. So I wrote one. So it's three short plays about the entertainment industry in L.A., and we each play different characters. And Rachel Tibbetts will, will direct.
0: And th- those and two are just- so talented, Rachel and and uh, Ellie. And Rachel's played a nun before with <laughs> with uh, Joe, so it's yeah, it's yeah. just fun. But they're both really gifted, and all three of them together are a really good team. Now it's magic. Carrie's has some really heavyweights on the St. Louis. Uh, theater scene, uh, Nicole Angeli, and our Angeli,
2: and yeah.
0: uh, Michelle Hand, and then Carl Overly. Mm-hmm. So you've got three pretty big names in in uh, It Is
2: Magic. So A Good director, too, Suki Peters, uh, and we were, we were fortunate to be able to hold most of the cast together. That was originally scheduled for uh, October of 2020, and so we had to reschedule it, but uh, fortunately, most of the cast is still with us.
0: So you can go to midnightcompany.com for more information. And also uh, you can get your tickets for now playing third base at Metro ticks.
1: Metro. And it is
0: um, it is Thursday, Friday and Saturday at eight at the chapel. And then there's going to be a a matinee on the last Sunday. Is it July 25th?
2: Yes. Mm
1: -hmm. Excellent. Now. Joe, we've been asking all of our guests, this question all for the last 18 months or so, what do you recommend either video or movies or on demand or, or whatever, what got you through the last year and a half instead of, you know, instead of just your writing, what some, something that somebody else produced or even theater, what, what got you through
2: the last 18 months? Um, an easy answer is, this, is the St. Louis County Library. Uh, I walked out of there every week with a shopping bag of three books and eight DVDs. I've, I think I've watched over almost everything produced from the 40s onward, uh, rewatched. But, uh, but there, is, there is something connected to my writing I have to mention, it is a book. Uh, it's, it's a book called uh, Year of Wonder. Uh, and uh, it, it's, I came across this prior to the pandemic And then I asked for it for Christmas, uh, my Christmas list, 2019. But this woman in this book, uh, she, every day, she picks out a piece of classical music and she writes about it. And uh, the music is usually only about three or four minutes long. And I'm able to go to uh, YouTube and listen to it. I'm, I think that's, I'm a little shy in my education on classical music. So a, she covers it very broadly from ancient music to uh, international music and tra- traditional classic music. But the stories she writes about these musicians and composers are, are fascinating. And, um, um, and so uh, actually, when it came time that I was supposed to create an idea to do the fringe, I was like, hey, I'll write something, and uh, and 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 I know Amy. Maybe she'll do this, and uh, and Amy agreed uh, to do it. And when I uh, when I told her where the idea came from, uh, uh, A Year of Wonder," uh, I, the, the, the 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 writer's name's escaping me right now. It might hit me before, the, but uh, Amy said, "Oh yeah, I grew up with her. You know, huh. she knew her as a girl in England." So, uh, but it was not only that, but also I'd also fortunately joined the Saint Louis Art Museum prior to the pandemic, and all during the pandemic, every day, the art museum would send out an email with something they called object of the day. So it was a piece from their collection, painting, sculpture, furniture, something. And so uh, those two pieces of art, I focused on every day. A little bit of music from Year of Wonder and uh, a piece from the St. Louis Art Museum. And those were the the real things that started my day and kind of got my heart beating.
0: Well, that's wonderful. That is just such an illuminating and insightful little tip there. Uh, Joe, I know that you have been involved in filming me, uh, many short films for the St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase during the last year. And, and the showcase kicks off July 16th. Carl and I had Chris Clark on last week to preview it. And uh, how many movies have you been in in the St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase?
2: Oh, probably about three or four, you know, but I've, I've done, uh, I don't really remember, but I've done, you know, I mean, uh, short films and other things, 30, 35 films in St. Louis over the years, you know, some student films and just the, some of the independent things. And that's one of the points I make in the play, you know, uh, that I grew up loving movies. I didn't care about theater. But I love movies, but there, mm-hmm. there was no, no movies anywhere to be involved in in those days. Now there's one on every corner, you know, <laughs> everybody's got cameras, everybody can do whatever they want now.
1: The author of the book,
0: by the way, is Clemency Burton Hill.
2: That, that's her name. That is her name. Thank you. Thank you. Clemen.
0: You're welcome. And uh, so, Joe, did you try out for it? There's a movie that has a St. Louis connection that is celebrating its 40th anniversary today, July 10th, 1981. The movie Escape from New York with <laughs> Kurt Russell as the iconic Snake Plissken yeah. came out Filmed and- at Union Station before it was redone. Yes. Yeah. So did you, did you have any connection to that film?
2: Well, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I did uh, submit a photo, I think, to some office. Uh, but, um, you know, I think I, 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 it was the wrong photo. I think I had a sport coat on. I should have been wearing some <laughs> shaggy uh, animal skin. You know, uh, that would have been. But, but, you know, also in those days, I don't know if you remember, Lynn, at Union Station. I, uh, that's where the original theater project company worked. Oh, that's right yeah, I think that was a uh, you know a little bit. They'd moved out uh, before the filming and then the renovation started. But in the old ladies waiting room of Union Station was where theater project was, was maybe the first successful independent theater company in town back in the 70s. And now They're- it's full of fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: But, and and you know what I was there last week and speaking of movies, John Goodman hosts the the train little movie that gives you an, an experience as you're going from the train station of Union Station to underwater at the aquarium, which I had never seen before. I saw it last week when I went with my daughter because they had that pre-show all canceled. They had all the pre-shows canceled. You just walked in and saw the fish. But now yeah. if you didn't know that, you know, if you hadn't been there in the last you know, 18 months, you wouldn't have seen that. But now make sure that you stop and hear John Goodman take you through the history of st louis as you go underwater it, it's it's great i didn't even know that and i was glad i was pleasantly surprised this week when i did yeah, that. i was with my
2: grandkids there about two months ago and it was not playing so yeah I'll look forward. so they to just it.
1: brought it back well you know why because everybody's in a little theater that is shaped like a train car and so uh-huh. they didn't they didn't want people that packed together but now they since they're opening up you can see that and i recommend it it's very well done
2: hey, great great
0: well, hey, thanks, Joe. And I really recommend this highly. If Even if you're not a theater person, but you're a St. Louis person, it's like the documentary The Hill. You should go see Joe's show just to get a feel of what it was like in 1964. And this makes me want to see From Russia with Love again. <laughs> but also, you create the old Bond movies, because if anybody hasn't seen the Sean Connery movies, and just has seen Daniel Craig, Craig, or maybe Pierce Brosnan it's not the same
2: no and for Russia with Love I mean what was so great about it is not that it's realistic but it could have happened there was nothing science fictiony or, or beyond belief in it I don't think there was another Bond movie like it until Craig's Casino Royale which was somewhat rooted in a, a real Reality. world and, and, you know, right after From Russia with Love, Bond took off and Goldfinger and other, you know, big outer space adventures. so Oh, yeah. People, and then, then everything about was that. the
0: Cold War and spies of mm-hmm. uh, yeah. TV, the man from Uncle. You don't th- you don't think about the
1: first two James Bond films because it didn't really take off until Goldfinger. But the first yeah. two James Bond films, Dr. No and From Russia with Love, are pretty, pretty tame for James Bond. Yeah, they are. yeah And they had a through line. They kept they were continu- from rush with love actually was continuing the story of Dr. No, which yeah. that, once again, that's just something else that didn't happen until the Craig movies where they started mm-hmm. to talk about the previous movie from before.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, Joe does have clips of the visual designer, the video designer, Michael B. Perkins, who's a great visual designer. He did s- such good work in when you did judgment at Nuremberg at the history yeah. museum. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he is, picked selective clips out and then nice stills from the movie and the the actress that you guys all went crazy over when you were teenage boys daniela
2: bianchi yeah mm. yeah so yeah, so michael just- also uh, supplies a lot of stills of uh cardinal players and um, you know and, and front office and field personnel that you might have forgotten who they were and so it reminds the audience of those guys
0: Oh yeah, and the Beatles and and all that. But I'm just so fascinated. Your stories about Gussie Bush and the ownership, and then about how the Beatles wouldn't play in Florida because it was segregated, and yeah. Joe bridges that time because it was baseball was very segregated still in 1964. So yeah. you you hold you bridge all that, and so for anybody that loves baseball, or the Beatles, or just. Remembering their neighborhoods when they were growing up—it's just a wonderful um, experience. Thank you very much. Well, thank I'm going to try. For- I'm going to
1: try to see it. My wife's schedule is all messed up. I think she would appreciate this very much, but she's working nights right now, so maybe we'll have to sneak by the uh, matinee.
2: Yeah, Carl. Uh, let me know. Lim knows where to reach me, and I'll have some ticks for you.
1: I appreciate that. Thank you, Joe. I thank you for sure. coming on today. I'm I'm very happy to hear this stuff. And thank you. This is a time for like, even though the Cardinals are playing the Cubs this weekend, this is when the Cardinals were really good.
2: Yeah, 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 they were. Well, well thanks again. Yeah,
0: yeah, just talking about Gibson and and Kirk Flood and oh, just Dick Groat and
2: uh, Tim McCarver and it's just and a young a young raw rookie named Mike Shannon. Yeah, <laughs> and the hot corner. No, he was in right
0: field then.
1: Right, because they had Ken Boyer.
0: Right, right, right. Oh, yeah. Well, Kenny Boyer is very prominent in Joe's show. He, In fact, I think yeah. he's the first Cardinal you talk about.
2: Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I call him the, the James Bond of the team. Quiet, <laughs> efficient, deadly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks. And and uh, break a leg.
2: Thanks, I again. guess we that's hope the best thing to same, say. Joe. And
0: uh, get your tickets, people. <laughs> Metrotix.com.
2: All right. Thanks a lot, everybody.
0: Thanks. Take thanks, care. Joe. See you later. Enjoy your weekend.
1: All right. So so now, Lynn, let's talk about what my shirt is promoting.
0: Yes. The big blockbuster movie event of the summer, which makes you feel like summer has really returned in the old fashioned sense of it is Black Widow.
1: So as my daughter said, after we finished watching it, she said, well, that was unnecessary. (laughs) But yes and no, this is the 24th movie of the MCU. And now it is the 27th property. If you include the two, the three TV shows that are currently going on right now. So 20, you're 27 things into this. And it was supposed to come out before the three TV series came out. So you would have been introduced to a character that is introduced into one of the Marvel TV series before they were introduced, blah, 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 blah. But this movie has been pushed back for 14 months. It is finally on the big screen, or you can pay $30 to see it on Disney Plus. It's not unnecessary, but it's overdue.
0: Well, I have both Kent and I were not as kind to the film as some of our colleagues were. We, um, first of all, the the best, the good things about this film, besides Scarlett Johansson, is. A, a terrific movie actress. And this is the eighth time she is playing Natasha Romanoff. And this is a prequel and an origin story. And no,
1: no, it's not. It's not a pre it's it takes place right after Civil War. It takes place right after Captain America's Civil War. It's a prequel to Infinity War. Right. It's not it, and it's not really an origin story. It's more of a reunion story. Because origin story, we've seen her origin story through flashbacks when she was here. Let me let me make a quick aside. If you have Disney Plus, watch the Marvel Legends episode. It's 10 minutes long. It's about Black Widow before you watch this, because this will get you re-acclimated. They've now done this for Falcon, Winter Soldier, the Tesseract, Loki, Uh, They've done all these, Wanda and Vision. They've done all these just to get you caught up because, you know, as I said, there are 27 properties now. So a little primer, a little refresher before you see this, watch Marvel Legends, watch the Black Widow episode, and that will remind you everything. Her Her first appearance was in the third Marvel movie. It was in Iron Man 2, and we didn't know anything about her. And then, as you said, the eighth property that she's been in She has little hints of her past. And you see that they talked about uh, they talked about a lot of things that happened in this movie in the Avengers film. So it doesn't they've been building this for a while. And so it takes place immediately after Civil War and before Infinity War. So, yes, you're right. But it's it's more complicated than that.
0: It is. It is a time period where the Avengers are, to use the Friends term, on a break. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is well, because of the Covia Accords, which decided that the uh, hu- the enhanced humans, as they are referred to, are out of control because they are not limited in what they do. There's no guidance or government guidance to what the avengers could do and the world was concerned and so they put some some rules in place right and so the avengers are on this break because of the sokovia accords and if you want to find more about them you can google it because you do need to know that in the movie because she's hiding out because because a william hertz character thaddeus ross secretary of state is after her and mm-hmm. she eludes them and is on a break. But then her past comes roaring back because the, the best thing about this movie is the beginning, which sets up her, uh, her life in 1995. She and her sister are living with their, the sister quote, that we've unquote, never
1: heard of before,
0: right? Parents in Ohio and, Hey, they're Russian spies, and these girls are just set-up pawns. And it del- it's, but it's uh, David Harbor, the scene stealer of this film, as the Red Guardian, and his name is Alexei, and he is the girl's quote-unquote dad, but he's not really their dad. And so that that beginning that that beginning scene where they're on the run. It is fantastic. And then as in all Marvel movies, we just go into one chase scene after another. Now, and hold then- on there.
1: They do breathe. I, I don't, I don't love it as much as some people. And I don't hate it as much as some people. I think this is fine. This movie is fine. It, it's, it's overdue. It should, They could have released this after civil war and it would have been, well, except for the, the final cut scene at the
0: end, at the very end of the movie, it would have fit into the Marvel lore right there. Well, another thing is too, it's been uh, a long time since Endgame came out, which was spring of 2019.
1: Yeah, but so, this movie was supposed to be out a year later. So
0: right. So if you got to refresh yourself, I think that's good advice about what you said about the the uh, Disney Plus backstory but if you don't know anything about black widow stanley created her in 1964 and this was during the cold war which we just talked about with uh with joe and she was more of a femme fatale and then she grew into what she evolved into what she is at this time it's a former trained assassin who now crusades for justice, mm-hmm. but she is tormented by her past, and Scarlett Johansson is very good at giving that that character some heft. Now, I think besides David Harbour being the scene stealer in this film, and I just love him because I just saw him in no sudden move where he plays this meek, mild mannered accountant. So the guy's got game, and uh, he's pretty comical as this oafish guy that can't fit into a superhero Red Guardian suit anymore. But uh, he is one of the great things about this film. But the best thing overall is Florence Pugh as the kick ass little sister.
1: Uh, she I like her. It's, it's interesting that you mention about David Harbour, because in Stranger Things, a spoiler to the final season, or last season, he was put in a Russian prison. And so it's very funny that when you see Re- David Harbour for the first time, he's in a Russian prison. So that that was kind of weird. But also, uh, Florence Pugh, um, the director of this film, uh, Kate Shortland, really likes shots of women's butts, which is great <laughs> for Florence Pugh because um, Florence Pugh's but is her best asset. There are lots of shots. They're all in cat suits. Scar Jo's in a cat suit. Uh, shots of her butts. Florence Pugh's in a cat suit. Uh, Rachel Weiss is in a cat suit. It's it's very cat suity.
0: <laughs> well, it is because what what I found fascinating when I went to do my research on Black Widow because I am not up like you guys are with the comic books, and so I defer to my male colleagues who are Marvel universe whizzes I would say like experts and so I looked up the whole origin of Black Widow and apparently when she started out she was in different kind of clothes but the Avengers TV show with Emma Appeal,
1: which stands for male appeal M appeal she
0: had a cat suit. Mm-hmm. The great Diana Riggs was late, in this cat suit. The late and great then, Diana
1: Rigg from uh, you kids will know her from Game of Thrones.
0: And voila. Everybody had a cat suit. You get a cat suit. You get a cat suit. Including catwoman
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: on the Batman's. So so this is the origin of that. So I find that fascinating that Diana Rigg is responsible for all these people in the black leather a cat suits now, Rachel Weiss, who you mentioned, she plays the mom, but she is a scientist, a KGB scientist. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but they, they do defect. Um, I'm pretty sure that that's part of the storyline, but they have to unite because there's this conspiracy theory with the Red Room, which Ray is Winstone, this, which is this dragoff last seen in Cats as yes. the Grawl Tiger. Mm-hmm. whatever. I don't know. I turned cats off midway because I was so appalled, but um, so I don't know if I saw him or not. And but, then you,
1: then you see the taskmaster, which I don't want to tell you anything about, but the the taskmaster is part of the red room also. And then you have an army of other black widows.
0: Yes. Which are, they do. I will say if you are a, 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 a pro female movie hero person, These women show their brains and their brawn. And their butts. It's nice to see females in action films because it's really rare. It's Mm -hmm. very rare. Who's like your favorite action hero is a female? Female action
1: They also talk about every single Avenger. You have a voice cameo from Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye. They talk about Captain America a lot. They talk about Tony Stark a lot. They talk about Thor a little bit, but the only Avenger they don't talk about is the one at the end of Civil War that she is romantically linked. They don't talk about Hulk or Banner at all in this movie. I found that really weird, especially since uh, Banner just broke her heart at the movie that this was supposed to be right after. So I don't understand that. Right. Right. That was weird. And also you have this Rick Mason character played by O.T. uh, or I'm not sure how to say his name. I'm sure I said it wrong, but this brand new shield character um, that, you've never seen before and i had an argument with max about this he says that's great that we're seeing part of her life i'm like yeah but she's never spoken about him and he's like that just adds to the mystique so i understand the hidden part of her life just like we found out about clit barton's uh part of his life in endgame we find out more about these things but it's it, it was just jarring to me to have this brand new uh deus ex machina that shows up and does everything that we need for her to have at the time,
0: right? So I do think the story gets convoluted. I really it's, do. It's
1: it's it's a little long. It's two hours and fifteen minutes. minutes. Yeah. So you and, have to watch
0: the mid credit scene.
1: Now the mid credit scene takes place right after the. It's weird, and we fi- I think we figured out why. It's because the opening shot and the end of the mid credit scene bookend each other so the mid-credit scene is right after the film ends and then you have to sit through the entire credits to get the very last scene which is the one that talks about the present day which I also have a problem with that scene for one reason it is it's I without spoilering I would say it would be that wouldn't happen because that person that they're visiting is a world famous in fact multi-universe famous person and would not have um that discreet of an area it's very secluded and very private that there would be it would be more renowned than what they had at the very end don't you think yeah okay that but that once again this movie is fine it's not great it's not horrible it's fine. It's mid-tier Marvel. And there's been 24 movies. And not everyone's gonna be Black Panther. And if you go back and look at them, you might your, your ranking might change, even though everyone says that Winter Soldier is probably the best movie. So <laughs> it's just and and some people argue that Captain America's Civil War is the best of the Avengers films, besides Endgame, because Endgame Endgame is just that
0: that just end game is on another level right it because really it had is. to
1: wrap up you know
0: 22 movies so and uh i do prefer um the winter soldier one of all the right and non-avenger and movies
1: this is not this is not that this is they people wanted a black widow movie and they finally got it you know 10 years too late they should have lucy was her standalone uh tour de force and this is this isn't even as good as lucy and i love lucy to coin
0: a phrase so well i really like the cast here i mm-hmm. just think the story who is by eric uh, eric pearson wrote it and he wrote godzilla versus kong and thor ragnarok
1: yeah and ragnarok ragnarok i would put his uh, top tier so
0: uh i don't know what I, I i don't know um just really i just think that red room Well, you know why they tried to be funny.
1: They're not that funny. No, the the jokes don't land. It's, it's more, it's, it's trying to be a dramedy and it's more drama than comedy.
0: No. And I, I do think, uh, yeah, Kent thought it was just a little too funny. He only gave it a C I gave it a C plus I was toying with. Well, I do like this cast, but, um, I do think, um, Uh, You know, I mean, it is what it is. I hate that phrase, but it is what it is. is. And so if you want to see what's next in the Marvel universe, you're going to go. I think midway they start the explosions and it just devolves into just a bunch of green screen acting.
1: And and then then another thing about the last the last thing could be uh, the very last scene, which I'm going to come back to again, could be fixed with one conversation of course it's not going to be one conversation but you'd think that the people involved would have one of them has ulterior motives the other one is in grief and it would it 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 is just a misunderstanding because that is not exactly what happened. and that's the main movie that came out this week that i have seen that that nothing there is nothing else to really talk about because this is it. This is gonna. This is gonna set record. I hope it set records this weekend. But the problem is, it's not only in theaters. People can still stream it for thirty dollars on Disney Plus. So they're hoping it made more money than F9, and I, I hope it does too. But I don't know if that's going to happen or not.
0: Right. Well, nothing really. Oh, but no. I carry you with me. Opened. It's an art film, and uh, I unfortunately. I haven't seen it yet No, alex mcpherson who writes for my website poplifestl.com he did review it so if you want to find out about that go to the website he also reviewed for us this week fear street one part one Mm -hmm. which is set in 1978 and it is based on this trilogy by rl stein and it is on netflix the first one goosebumps yeah the first one started july second and the second one mm-hmm. premiered yesterday called fear street 1964 i believe okay. and then the um the next one is going to be the following week uh july 16th and it is 1666 okay interesting. which is a little nod mm-hmm. but uh, anyway there are three periods of time and it's set in a town that uh, they have a, a strange history of uh, things happening. And uh, so that's, what's on Netflix. Now uh, other people were talking about this film, Carl, that we didn't hear about. It is on stars, okay. which technically I don't have and don't get access. I to do.
1: America. I have stars.
0: Okay. Well, This movie called the kid detective is getting good reviews. It is Adam Brody Mm -hmm. from the OC as a a former kid detective who just gets middle kind of cases, but now he's got a good case about finding somebody's boyfriend and people. If you go to the review section of the film they say this is way better than I thought it was going to be this is <laughs> m- this is better than it deserves to be and so people are surprised by it well and- it came
1: out in October last year and now it's just on stars so it was out in October it was at the uh, it was at TIFF it was at the Toronto Film Festival oh
0: well there so- you go
1: and it's, it's coming back now. So if you want to see it, it's on stars right now. I, maybe I'll check that out. I like Adam Brody and I like, um, I like Evan Morgan too. He uh, he won uh, best original screenplay at the Canadian screen awards. So I'm sorry, he was nominated. He was nominated.
0: Well, so there, there's that, that's about it, but no, they're just giving it to black widow for the, as week. they should, why not? Yeah. Well, it was supposed to kick off last summer and then we all know what happened. So, uh, but there's stuff going on, on in the TV world that we should bring up uh, the Emmy nominations are going to be July 13th, just mm-hmm. Tuesday. And we'll see how many mayor of East town has, but also there's some heavy hitters because some of the usual uh, Emmy magnets didn't have a scene, a se- season, season, right? Like succession and that, but you're going to have, uh, the crown mm-hmm. and the, you know, there. so it's going to be interesting to see what all the prestige TV awards are. Yeah. And there's going to be a ton of them. So that is Tuesday. And then there's an Apple Plus movie that is coming up. Well, actually, it's not a movie. It's six episodes. It's a limited series. And it's called Schmigadoon. Schmigadoon. With a exclamation point. And I was fortunate to be uh, to get to interview Cecily Strong and Aaron fight. And Aaron yeah. is uh, one of the... He's the only... Tony nominee for best actor in a musical because he was in Moulin Rouge on Broadway. And so I congratulated him. And then I said, well, I assume you won because you're the only nominee, but those aren't till September 26th. But anyway, now, this, it is this the-
1: Schmigadoon sh- yeah. might keep Cecily strong from coming back to Saturday night live. She is on the fence. She says,
0: well, she was born in Springfield, Illinois. I did not know that. Yes. Her dad was a reporter for Associated Press, and he covered the State House in Springfield. And then they, when she was a year and a half, they moved to Chicago. Uh-huh. So that is her background. I was so shocked to see Springfield, Illinois. I asked her a question. I was like, when you were a kid, did you go to the Muni? And she was like, I only lived in Springfield for a year and a half. Oh. But uh, <laughs> there's that. There's that. But Doon. Is an homage and a parody of golden age musicals like Brigadoon. And what they have done is they have assembled all these great Broadway performers Kristen Chenoweth, Alan Cumming. Mm. Uh, there's just a plethora of I um, love
1: me some Chenoweth, and I yeah, love broadway name, and they and can sing.
0: uh keegan michael key Mm -hmm. and cicely strong are a couple and they get lost and they wind up in schmigadoon uh-huh and and then it just goes from one musical uh parody to the other Kristen chenoweth is like she's in the music man (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so it's very interesting and it starts July 16th on Apple. We'll have more about that next week. And uh, when will your interview run and where will it run? um, Well, I'm trying to get, I'm going to talk to Ray about uh, some of it being on KTRS, but also we can have some of it here, Carl.
1: What? I like that.
0: Yeah. So, so it was a, it was a round table. Mm -hmm. So I have the recordings of it. And uh, that was when my, unfortunately, that was when my sound was going a little spaz. Dove Cameron is in it.
1: Oh, yeah. From um, Dove Cameron from uh, The Descendants.
0: Yes. And uh, that and another another uh, Netflix series that is going to be the definitive entertainment from the pandemic, Bo Burnham's Inside.
1: Yeah, I've, I've seen the first half of it. I have not gone back to it because I went my wife didn't care for it. But my wa- my daughter and I are enjoying it.
0: I went back to it because when I first watched the 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 first half I watched, I was tired and I was like, I don't understand why everybody's raving about this. But then I went back and I watched the whole thing. And now I understand why people are raving about it. He has some brilliant songs. Yeah,
1: here's the here's the thing that he should not have done. He should not have put in a little slide that said intermission because that gave us the that gave my wife the opportunity to get out. And so if that wouldn't have been there, we would have watched the whole thing straight through. My wife said, oh, intermission, turn it off. We'll stop and come back to it. So and of course, she has not. But my wife and my daughter and I want to come back to it. we just haven't found the appropriate time to do so. Well,
0: it's worth going back because and we're I totally going. To, we f-
1: will. We're fans of Bo Burnham. You know, I like him.
0: Oh yeah, we we. I totally changed. So he just made the Emmy cut. So I'm going to be anxious to good. see. But I think he has a good shot. You know how they have that Emmy category about best song, mm-hmm. and that's how Lin Manuel Miranda won his Emmy. Yeah. Uh, Bo Burnham has a good opportunity to win an Emmy for. It depends a- on what they submit. Right the song another thing uh shark week starts on sunday july third year yeah 33rd year how about that and they have 24 more uh, 25 more hours of programming this year on on discovery wow so there you go and then of course the all-star game is tuesday which includes it's it's a a whole thing you got the home run derby of the all-star game
1: you have the prospects you it's it's a big it's a big deal on espn and uh it's you know in colorado It was supposed to be in atlanta they moved it
0: that's right i forgot i was like oh did i know it was going to be in colorado yeah you are correct well Mm -hmm. the um saint louis blues our beloved hometown hero pat maroon the patrick Yeah. Made history
1: this week. It it wasn't history. It it had been done in the sixties, but in the modern, you know, after the original six, it had, this is the first time it's done since the league expanded three in a row, not with the same team.
0: Right. But I'm really happy for him.
1: I am happy for him too. And, And it would have been nice for Jake Allen and Joel Edmondson to, you know, get, get another one as well, but good for Pat Maroon.
0: Right. Well, uh, if we're going to talk local and we're Mm going to talk theater, go see Joe's show. Really? I'm serious about this. It's just fun. It's just a pleasant little diversion. It's not like King Lear and Shakespeare in the park where it was (laughs) magnificent and transforming and whatever, but it's just so pleasant, a a really nice summer experience, but uh, the Muni single tickets go on sale monday monday yes and i'm excited about it. that's coming up in a couple of weeks so i know monday night july 26 i have my calendar marked i am so excited same here it's gonna it's gonna be great i'm glad that the Muni's coming back i know and then uh we have the rep just announced their season And the black rep announced their season and they're continuing the August Wilson cycle, which they've already done, but they're going back and they're going to do Jitney. Wow. Which is going to be great. And then the rep is going to start a new tradition with a Christmas carol. And they're going to have the 39 steps, Uh which is classic. And then they're having quite a couple new, innovative shows dreaming Zenzil about miriam maccabi uh, is going to have the the woman that won the grammy she wrote it and she's going to star in it so go to the uh the rep for more about their season they are not just doing it at the loretta hilton they have two shows that are going to be at coca oh wow that's interesting yeah and then the reps going to be, I mean, the black rep's going to be at the Edison at Wash U. So that is exciting. The St. Louis filmmaker showcase starts July 16th. So get your tickets. Don't you want to see a bunch of the, I want to see a bunch of those movies. I do too. I, I, I do. I want
1: to see them because they're, it is so not just one genre. It is very spread out very shotgun approach and you never know what you're going to get, especially you might get the next next Spielberg or the next Bo Burnham actually. And we also want to mention that our buddy Tom Stockman is doing super
0: Eight movie madness again, starting on July 28th. I know. And the way out club announced that they're going to close after oh the month of July. So Tom's super eight madness is going to be one of the last things there, but you know what else? My favorite, favorite the place i went to
1: every thursday night for 20 years cousin hugo's closed last summer during the pandemic it is going to be reopening under a new name in august it's going to be called lucky lindy's and it's going to open up i want to say the second week of august in i am very very happy about it and I also want to mention one thing you might have noticed on the Hallmark channel. Everyone's talking about Christmas in July. The Hallmark ornaments came out today. So I spent my several hundreds of thousands of dollars to continue my Star Wars ornament collection. So I have those continue. This is the 25th year for Star Wars ornaments at Hallmark. And I have every single one of them.
0: That's a lot. Oh, wow. Carl, I'm impressed. I only have Chewie and Han. <laughs>
1: i have every single one of them there was one there is one that i don't have that was a, like a special thing it's the star wars lunch box it, it looked like the actual star wars lunch they and i have the empire strikes back one and they didn't make a return of the jedi one so i guess they weren't it was it wasn't special enough to get that so i one day i will have them all but right now i have i picked up everything that they have And my collection is nearly complete because what they do is they stretch it out. You have July releases and then you have October releases. So
0: they get your money all year long. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I always have to put Chewbacca next to Han. As you should. Yes. This
1: year they have a C-3PO with Babu Freak. On oh. his little shoulder with C-3PO with the red eyes from Rise of Skywalker, and they have a baby Grogu. If you are still in love with the Mandalorian, the baby Grogu is sitting on top of a stormtrooper helmet. So, uh huh. And, and speaking of Han and Chewie, they have a a metal. It's it's very heavy. Millennium Falcon. I don't know how some it would not fit on a Charlie Brown tree because it would knock it over.
0: Wow. Well, on the Food Network. David Gus, Sandus- does David Sandusky, the pitmaster at the Beast, mm-hmm. three local locations, Belleville, the Grove, and Columbia, Illinois. Uh, he is still on. That's good. So he made it through five episodes and now is going into the sixth. It's a very intense competition. It's on Monday nights at 8 pm and he is on Michael Simons team and i think he's doing the area proud but there's a lot of mega personalities in this one
1: well it's you know that's
0: that's what these shows are for well right that's what reality tv is so the good we guy see edit it.
1: that he's, he's getting the good guy edit which is good because if good guy edit usually does well until the bad guy edit is either your heel or your winner
0: right well it does showcase that he knows what he's doing with food Yes. And he, he had his team's best bite last week. So that was that was another good thing, too. Now, um, what else is going on, Carl? What are you going to be doing? Did you do anything exciting for Fourth of July?
1: I didn't. I was working every day. So, no, <laughs> everyone's like, hey, what'd you do? I said, well, I worked. And so that's what's going on with me. And um, next week, I'm going to watch a Bruce Willis, Megan Fox movie. And I, is, is that the biggest release out next week? Uh, space jam. Oh, uh, maybe I'll watch the first one first. I don't know. I, I can't,
0: I I can't re honestly, I can't remember the first one. I took my kids. That's all I remember.
1: I might revisit the, I might revisit the first one because I never watched the first one because it was what it was 96. I was, you know. 25 years old i didn't care about space jam maybe i'll watch both of those this week
0: i know my kids had michael jordan everything back then so of course we went i loved michael
1: jordan but i wasn't going to go see space jam at 25
0: (laughs) right so there's other things but uh, what i'm very excited about is now you know we're seeing all the movies that are coming out this fall and uh, they dropped the trailer to the many saints of newark Mm mm-hmm What'd you think Which is
1: the soprano? I, I didn't watch it. Cause I, I am going to try to say spoiler free as possible.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. So, well, I found out through my research, the reason it's called many saints is because Christopher Moltisanti in the Sopranos, mm-hmm. that is Italian for many saints.
1: Oh, multisante Multi saint. So that's
0: the name where the name comes from, Hmm. and this is going to be Michael Gandolfini playing his dad. Yes, as Tony Soprano as a youth,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and Vera Farmiga is wearing a new a prosthetic nose, and she's playing his mom and. All these people, uh, Corey Stahl is going to play Junior, Uncle Junior. Yep. And if you are a Sopranos fan, you are right there. Yeah. Oh, I'm going
1: gonna, I'm gonna to watch it. I'm just not going to try to find out a lot of it before, you know, it comes and, out.
0: And we'll be talking about the Khan movies that are coming up because Khan is going on now. We're going to be talking about the Sparks musical <laughs> with Adam Driver <laughs> and Marion Cotillard.
1: Yeah, everyone is not. No, I don't I don't hear a lot of fans about that movie.
0: No, although I did listen to one of the songs, which I thought was good.
1: That doesn't mean the movie's any good. There's a lot of great songs from shitty movies.
0: Yeah, that's true. And it just sounds so bizarre from the reviews I've read because I did because they were just so Uh, crazily written mm -hmm. that I was like, I have to pay attention to this. Now, Matt Damon's movie Stillwater, which we are going to see uh in august yep that premiered and i guess it, it got a, it got a five minute standing ovation and he teared up so it could be matt damon's year good
1: he already has an oscar for writing so lynn where can we find you on the socials and on the air
0: i am on ktrs radio every thursday night with ray hartman in the 10 o'clock hour right after the news so you- listen to the news And then I talk about the movies of the day, four or five movies. And then I uh, have, I am in the Webster Kirkwood Times, Mm -hmm. which comes out every Friday. Yeah. And our reviews are all online. Even if you don't see it in the print version, our reviews are all online. And uh, then I have my own website, poplifestl.com. And now our podcast is going to be called Pop Life STL Presents. Smart. So. Hopefully we'll get everything transferred and it'll be seamless.
1: It w- I'm going to say, yes, it will. You can hear me every day, Monday through Friday for the next couple of weeks on the Mark Cox Morning Show on 97.1. I talked about Black Widow on Friday and you can find me barely on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Carl, the intern, then
0: have a good week and we'll
1: talk you next too. week. We have a special guest and it's going to be on a Sunday. So we'll we'll talk then.
0: Stelly Seitman will be our guest to talk about what Max and Louie Productions is up next and it just sounds like a wonderful production so Carl take care, be Stay safe cool. if you're not vaccinated get vaccinated so the rest of us don't have to go back to wearing masks and worry about going out in the, and about be good. bye